so mindful of us. I'll tell you, sometimes it's hard to keep your eyes right on him. Somebody had sent me a picture today, Brother Ron Spencer. It was, it was the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> and he was in the midst of the sea, and he was standing there in the midst of the sea, and lightning, and clouds, and waves, and the billows, and the artist had did it in a very, very good way. And he said, don't keep your eyes on the storm, but keep your eyes on me. But it was amazing to look at it and how your eyes would tend to go toward the water. And your eyes would tend to go toward the clouds. Your eyes would tend to go toward the storm. But there he was, right in the middle of it, the answer. And you can see in life, it can certainly be that way. The things that we go through, the age that we're living, the time that we're dealing with, all the things that are around us every day of our life, humanly, we'll gravitate right toward them clouds and those billows of the sea and my, the abyss and the darkness and the depth and the uncertainty and the unknown. That's what gets us as humans sometimes. It's just the uncertainty of things and the unknown. But I'm grateful. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds it. The same one who holds that is holding our hand. God bless you. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4 tonight. We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Certainly nice to see you all again. Trust you're, you're doing well during this difficult times and hard times. <clears throat> Hopefully it won't be too much longer. We can all gather together again and we won't be segregated. I thought that was illegal. COVID's changed a lot of things, hasn't it? I'm just grateful we can meet together, though. I'm just so grateful we're not having to meet. I appreciate all these musicians, but boy, I'm glad to see y'all smiling faces. Well, sometimes you frown, but for the most part, I'm glad to see your faces out there. It, it really makes, makes a difference. Also, I wanted to share something with you that I got a phone call from Brother Randy Gissendaner on Monday, and he was just uh, really happy and elated and crying and rejoicing because he had just come from a doctor, and um, as you know, Brother Randy's been dealing with some serious things in his body, and they've been treating him with chemo a couple of places in his body, and um, the doctor, they'd done scan on him, and uh, one, one, one of the places was a significant difference, reduction in the size, and the other one was good as well, and they were just so happy and so pleased, and so they're actually going to extend it and give him a couple more treatments, and we rejoice. No way. We're grateful. So we just want to remember. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. 
seeing then that we have a great high priest. This term was never used in the entirety of the Old Testament. No Levite could be called this. No son of Aaron could be called this. We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Now Paul wants to make sure that the saints then, the saints down through the ages, and us as well, that we understand what passed into the heavens. It was not a theophany only. It was not deity only. But it was, listen what he said, Jesus, the Son of God, which is the resurrected, created human body of God that has now been elevated into the office of the great high priest. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Oh, I see. So we needed that kind of a foundation to help us hold on to our profession. Now notice the way he links this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So apparently, we can lose it. Praise the Lord. Now remember, your profession is not your salvation, but it's what you confess and what you believe. Notice this in verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. Everybody believes that? All points? All points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. He ain't talking to people that are lost. A sinner can't come boldly to the throne of God. Now we're talking about saints. But sometimes saints need a bold assurance. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, not salvation, not forgiveness of our sins. We're not talking about becoming renewed now. But compassion. The word means compassion. An open heart from the Almighty that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is anybody there tonight? Time of need? Let's bow our heads together. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I imagine 
it would be hard for us to even know how many times this scripture has been read for over 2,000 years since Paul was inspired to write it down. How many saints going through such hard times read it, they were inspired, they were uplifted, they were helped, they were encouraged. Here we are at the end of time, and we are reading it again tonight. And we are blessed, we are encouraged, and we are helped. Because we are living in a time of great need. But Lord Jesus, we believe what you anointed your prophet to say. That we could have boldness so that we could come to you to the throne of grace. And find mercy that would help us in the time of need. Father, we bring our needs, our petitions, our requests before not the judgment throne, but the throne of grace and mercy. We are so grateful tonight, first of all, that we can call you Papa, that we can say you're our Father. Then to know that you love us so much, Lord, that you're mindful of us. So we bring our needs and petitions before you, ask you to be mindful. Help me that I can get out of the way tonight, Father, that you can speak through me. I need your help, Lord. Grant it, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. And the saint said, God bless you. may be seated. I marvel when I look at what our Lord Jesus has done for us in the act of kenosis, of emptying himself out and stripping himself down, making himself of no reputation, stripping himself of omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, all the things that he laid aside that we might be helped in the time of need. To do all that within itself, to me, is phenomenal. But once he makes this great surrender and sacrifice, then he wants to partnership man in all of his flaws and all of his weaknesses and all of his shortcomings and make it so that the blessings of God, the power of God, even the fullness of the redemption of God will be God and man partnershiping together. Now think of it, no matter how much God wants to save the world tonight, He cannot and will not if they don't want to be saved. Now, according to the Scripture, it's not His will that any should perish. Right? So does that mean everybody will be saved? No. 
Because he will allow man's will to actually so coincide with the will of God that God would say, if I would follow my own will, I would save everyone, whether they wanted to be saved or not. I'm going to save them because I don't want anyone to be lost. But to be just, he says, I will leave man on the grounds that I placed Adam. And instead of me forcing my sovereign will on man, I will let man choose. So if man does not wish to be saved, I will not save him against his will. Now, to me, that's wonderful. That's phenomenal. And it shows the justice of God coinciding with the sovereignty of God. But now let's bring it on down to the category of the elect. That God still leaves us a choice, of course. Our biggest mistakes in life are based on our free moral agency. Oh, we love it so much and we're so proud of it. When you're going to realize it's your enemy. Your free moral agency is what got you in the mess you're in tonight. But yet God leaves it there. But God not only works that and partnerships that into his sovereign will, but God also partnerships the administration of grace that will be ministered to the saints of God through the Melchizedek priesthood. From the throne of grace, through the mediatorial work of the Son of God, down through His people into the church ages. And it will not be that God will just sovereignly throw out all kinds of blessings and all kinds of good things and you and I are saying, I don't want them, I don't want them. He said, yeah, I'm going to throw them on you anyhow. Here's joy and here's peace. I don't want a peace. I'd rather be depressed. I'd rather be sad. I'd rather, you're not going to be sad. You're one of my young ones. But that sad thing out of your face. I'm going to make you smile. I don't want to go to church. I don't care. I'm going to make you go to church. He doesn't even do that to us. Praise the Lord, which is sad really because it means that we could be a lot further up in the presence of God if it wasn't for our laziness a lot of times, our irresponsibility and so on. But notice now how Paul ties the mediatorial work of the Lord Jesus still being as the Son of God. And remember, Son of God is not another God, not another being. But it is the same God in a condescended form that would be able to relate to man. Now, let me bring it to you this way. Early one morning this week, as the Lord woke me up and began to deal with my heart, and I was thinking about where we are, you know, with this COVID and all of that, and uh, people wearing masks to work and to church and to Walmart and this and that and the other. And Carol and I had went to a store yesterday, a couple of them actually, and they had a sign on the door that no admittance without a mask. And if you didn't have one, 
they actually had somebody standing there that would give you one. And when I read that, I know it may seem peculiar to you, but when I read that on the door, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, that's the way I was. Without a mask, I could not have had admittance into the realm of humanity. So he masked himself. Now think of it. He wore a mask so you and I would not be killed. If he had not veiled or masked himself, it would have killed us. So he put on a mask in order to protect us and also in order to protect himself. Because had he come to the earth as that eternal and that eternal realm, my goodness, if he would come in this building tonight and that realm of the eternal, there's not a one of us that would be left alive after 10 seconds. Because our mortality, our mistakes, our humanity, our shortcomings, how is it that God still deals with us and all of our human nonsense? The mask. The mass veils him. Oh, hallelujah. It veils him, but it's two-sided. It protects you, and it protects him. Praise be to God. Remember when Moses went up on the mountain and received the law of God? And when Moses was in the presence of God, it was a great display of splendor. But when Moses come down from the presence of God and begin to speak to the people, the Bible says that he put a veil, which John Gill says that word in the Hebrew is actually a mask. So Moses put a mask over his face when he talked to the people. And then when he talked to God, he took the mask off. So a mask ain't altogether, altogether totally bad, huh? So when Moses would go back in the presence of God, he'd remove it. When he would come back to relate more word, he would put the mask on. Because the word glory there, I mean the shown, the word shown, actually it's the same root, Hebrew word, rather root word, that come from the word horned, H-O-R-N-E-D. This is why Michelangelo, if you look at the great sculptor, that Michelangelo has two tiny projections up on the head here of Moses, and it looks like horns. Because the Hebrew word there was horned. So they thought somehow that it was that horn, which meant protection. But when Moses was there, the mask was standing between him, or the veil, between him and the people. Now see, the Lord God and all that he's done for us, and yet all that he wants to give us, and he's so limited by what he can reveal, because he partnershiped himself with us. And such simple steps that allows him to unveil all of his glory is A, B, and C. Now this is not algebra, but it will lead to algebra. You see, to believe the Lord 
You've got to have your ABCs. And it's something that you'll never lose as long as you have pertinent faith in his word. What's this again in Hebrews 4.14? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold. Let us hold. Look at the meaning of this word. To have power. Be powerful. To be chief. Be master of. To rule. Get possession of. To keep carefully and faithfully. Continue to hold. To retain. To hold and check. Wow, what a powerful little small word. To hold in check or restrain. Now this is what we are supposed to do. Remember the Lord God will not do this for us. So we have this great high priest which has entered into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God. A high priest which can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Conquered death, hell, the grave, sickness, disease, every demon. And all that he wants to do for us is going to be correlated together and what we as his people will allow him to work in our lives. And it's going to be based on A, B, C. What's this? Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold... Now keep this word in mind, have power, be powerful, be cheap, be master of. So this is what he wants you to be the master of. Our profession, which means confession, subjectively, whom we profess to be ours. What one professes or confesses. So you mean the greatness of God. The miracles, the healing, the deliverance, the many things that God wants to do for us is not going to be based on, well, I prayed and God didn't do it. I cried all night long. I begged and I begged and I begged God. Now, don't misunderstand me. He is not the high priest of you begging. I don't mind telling you, friends, we are not beggars. We are children. And Satan tries his best, especially in the time of dilemma and emergency, to lower our standing before the presence of God and convince us somehow we will get more from God if we act like a bunch of beggars. Well, I'm not worthy, I'm no good, I'm no account. And where does the Bible say that about you? Somebody stand and tell me. If there was ever a time that we need to hold our profession, it's the hour we're living right now. And the church said, notice again Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of the miracles of God, the power of God, the wonder of God, the resurrection of God, the healing of God, the apostle and the high priest 
of our profession. You mean the Lord Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of what I say about who I am? Ma. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Notice Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, that promise. I'm sure glad he didn't say we are because that would leave me out. And I'll go ahead and say it for the rest of you. Y'all been left out too. So Paul didn't say we were faithful, but he said he was. But notice this man above all the others in the New Testament would use this word and again frame it similar as he did in chapter 4. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Wonder why. Wonder why it would be so important for us to hold it fast, to be the master, to control it, to be steady. Apparently, there's going to be a lot of things that's going to try to alter or subdue or change our profession. Praise the Lord. Now, we know that he can only work according to the allocation of his word given to us in the dispensation that we're in. Now, as I said, it's going to be based upon A, B, and C. And God will be released when we follow A, we follow B, and we follow C. Y'all don't want me to say it, aren't you? Notice this, the prophet said, Jesus died to heal us. Every one of you is healed. Every one of you is healed right now. Jesus has already healed you. You have to confess it and believe it. That's right. By his stripes you were past tense healed. Then when he did it at Calvary, that's when he overcome all sickness and sin and all at Calvary for you. Just like a table, it's set there. Oh my. Only thing you have to do is go eat. Now here is A, B, C. You've got to A, accept it. B, believe it. Glory to God. In your heart and C, confess it. And he's the high priest of your confession. So then when we say things that are not the word. Well, I'm not sure if God wants to heal me. I'm, I'm not very good. I don't have very much faith. The prophet said, and you said that you're talking the devil's language. He said, even if I didn't have very much faith, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't let the devil know it. Amen. <laughs> let your testimony said always be positive. Now you imagine then when we say those things, the Lord Jesus cannot be the high priest to administer to us the things we need when our confession does not match his word. So he says, we're blessed. And we say, oh, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. God loves everybody but me. 
God don't bless me. God don't care for me. Then the Lord Jesus has to remain silent on your petition. Because you're not saying what he's already said about you. Praise the Lord. So you have to A, accept it. B, believe it in your heart and confess it. And he's the high priest of your confession. Now you mean that God would so coincide his very heart's desire to minister to his children all the great things that he purchased based upon them? Yes. Why would he do that? Because he wants us to share the kingdom. Not only in the millennium. He not only wants us to share the throne uh, whenever we get way yonder somewhere when we've all got new bodies and we're changed. But he wants to us to share now with him in the allocation of the power of God for the age that we live in. You see the word itself is more than logos. Now the logos is the written word. Demons have access to that written word. They can quote it all the time. But there is another aspect of the word and we know it is called rhema. Two words that are used in the Greek New Testament uh, for the English word word. Uh, but yet we know they have two totally different meanings. And rhema actually means the word spoken with a living voice. The Logos word is that which we quote and we quote and we quote and we quote and we quote. And we quote it many times and it does not happen. Because we're quoting the Logos. But if God, if you're ever a believer been saved very long, you've had it happen to you that God would drop something in your heart and you knew it was was going to happen. It didn't mean remember what nobody said. Amen. That's a rhema word. Amen. And when that happens, remember if God had not separated the word and took all the power and the anointing and separated it from the letter of the word, then Satan would have had total access to the complete power of God by quoting the Logos. So Satan can say, it's written, it's written, it's written, it's written. He can quote that Bible better than any preacher you ever heard in your life. But he's never had access to the power that lays in the word because God connected power with word under the category of rhema word. And many times this is where our faith will be tried. It's generally not tried so much on the rhema aspect as it is the logos aspect. Because the logos, when we're going through trials and tests, what is it? My God dropped that rhema there. Why, you'd never even bat your eye every trial you ever faced. You'd go right through it. But God allows us to be tested on the logos aspect of the word because that's the part that many times we're tried by with no anointing, no emotion. Oh my, we don't feel like jumping over a wall, you know, leaping through great battles and all that sort of thing. When the rhema drops down on your heart, if it's ever happened to you, you know what I'm talking about. Whenever it drops there in your heart, my, you go looking for the devil. You ain't waiting for the devil come looking for you. You go looking for him because it releases an element of the supernatural power of God in with that divine promise for you. Amen. Amen. Is that right? Now, watch then. So God wants us to be able to take an aspect. Well, Brother Donnie, why don't he do it all that way by rhema power? Because that's not his design and his plan. His plan was to allow his children to break into both realms of that word. But really the trying aspect is not so much in the rhema world. In the rhema world, it is so live, so powerful, so real. It's a revelation from God. Oh my, let people leave left and right from the message of the hour. If this word has been revealed to you, I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. I don't care whatever they bring up. It won't make a bit of difference to you because you are a believer. And this is more 
more than doctrine. This is more than just, well, I I need a newspaper article. Well, I need this to prove it. I don't need none of that. Come on, saved. Say amen. Why? Because it has been revealed to me. This message to me is not a bunch of doctrines. It is not a bunch of statements that we argue about. This message has done something to me that Pentecost could never do for me, and that is it helped me to fall in love with the Lord Jesus more than I ever loved him in my life. But yet, in order for me to be able to tap into the presence of God and you to tap into the presence of God, there's three aspects by which it'll be released, and that is the ABCs of the believer. Notice again, as I was with Moses, remember, I want you to listen, friends, how powerful this is. He can never do nothing, nothing for you until first you say, Now think of it, the Lord Jesus and all that he purchased and all the great things that have been bought for us and he cannot do anything, anything for us until we first say it. We need to spend more time saying the right things, don't we? Most of us run off our big fat blabbermouths of all kinds of foolish nonsense and no stupid stuff when we ought to be quoting the word. Well, hallelujah. If you talk more about Jesus instead of your favorite football team or your favorite soccer team or basketball team or this and that and the other and talk about that word, I guarantee you we'd be a whole lot further up the road. Well, preach, Mother Dottie. Notice, remember, he can never do nothing for you until first you say... He's done it. Believe him and accept it and testify. Do you know that? He's the high priest of what? Confession. Hebrews 3.1. Now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father to make intercession upon our confession. Now remember, he's not interceding on the blood. He's not interceding on his righteousness. He's not interceding even on his own desire on his own will, on his own program. He's interceding on our confession. And no wonder that we get so many of our prayers that are not answered because we're not saying them right. We're not praying them the right way. We're not confessing and believing. Oh, Brother Donnie, that's all this modern stuff. No, it ain't modern, this, this old world out here at all. This was said in 1950. You imagine 1950. Don't you understand what these denominational people did? They broke into the aspects this prophet of God brought decades ago. Many of them have brought it. Oh my, you go on YouTube and you see all kinds of people making videos where they left the message. And I find it so amazing. There's all kinds of secular people I hear in preachers and so on that are doing many, many more YouTube videos and putting it about the power that William Branham had, the anointing we I think, well, God, let them testify. Let them condemn these other people people because they realized there was something there in that man's life that no one else could touch. We know it was an allocation of God. It was not Brother Brennan. Brother Brennan was a sinner saved by the grace of God like the rest of us. But it's something that God gave him, right? 
Notice this. Oh my. Until first you say that he's done it. Believe him, accept it, and testify. He's a high priest of our what? Confession. Hebrews 3, 1. Setting at the right hand of the Father to make intercession upon our confession. We've got to believe it, accept it, and confess it. And he's before the Father to make good anything. Not that he bought. Not that he wants you to have. But anything you confess. In the redemptive blessings, of course. Notice this in my commission. Every sinner is saved tonight in the sight of Jehovah God. But it will never do you any good until, ABC, accept it and believe it and confess it then he's the high priest of your confession to make it right before God. Now, do you believe he wants you to be healed? Well, I went up and had Brother Darrell to pray for him. That's all I need to do. No, that's not all you need to do. The Bible tells us to have hands laid on us. Yes, but you need to speak the word. You need to say the word. I hope this don't go over your head. You may actually be anointed by God to speak to that disease in your body and tell it to leave you. And it may come by it hearing you say what the prophet said, what your pastor's saying, what evangelists are saying, but it may not be the power of my words that'll drive that from your body but it may be the power of your own words. Now, I'm not just talking about a sickness. I'm talking about if you're bound by besetting sin or whatever it is. It all basically comes the same, exact same way. Notice this. So accept it, believe it, and confession. Then he's the high priest of your confession to make it right before God. So here the Lord Jesus is waiting on us to talk. And us to say the right things. And then he will make it right in heaven when you line up your mouth with what he wants you to have. (laughs) I have a right to anything that he died for. He put it in the deposit box at Calvary. And gave me a checkbook. Now, boy, I'm telling you what, if some rich person out here in the world come to all of us and gave us his checkbook and said, my name, here it is, Bill Gates on the bottom of this check. Some of these other guys that are billionaires, the the guy that owns Amazon and all them, here you go, take it. Buy whatever you want. My goodness, it would be one more sight what you folks would buy. Oh, I, I just wonder where you'd even start. Uh, you wouldn't stop at the Cadillac place. You'd go down to Knoxville and you'd buy you one of them high dollar hike of fluting cars. My goodness, Sears and Robux suits and that sort of thing. No way. Why? Because the main man from Amazon give you a checkbook. He done signed his name down at the bottom of it and said, don't even worry about price. Well, some of you all wouldn't want to live here in Johnson City no more because there wouldn't be a house big enough and refined enough and nice enough. You'd want to move 
up to Washington, D.C. or Baltimore somewhere, or you could run with the big dogs. Why? Because somebody had done give you a check. Well, let me tell you something. You've been handed a check when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You have been given a checkbook, and the Lord Jesus' name is on the bottom of it. Oh, hallelujah. He's got more money than Amazon and Walmart and Target and Kroger and Big K and all the rest of them put together. He's got more wealth and more riches and more mercy and more grace and more power and more deliverance. And he turns that checkbook over to you and said, child, whatever you need in my name, fill it out. If you need healing, write your check. Oh, well, Lord, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to bother you. I, I really need a complete workover. Well, go ahead and fill it out. No, no, no. I don't want to trouble you. So I'm just going to ask for a thimbleful. And maybe next week I might go up to a teacup. Why in the world do that? Just go ahead and fill it out for the full amount. Oh, but what if it don't happen? But what if it does? Oh, hallelujah. You can talk yourself out of every blessing that God wants you to have with them little words. Well, what if it don't happen? Well, what if it ain't at the right time? Look, I've looked through every one of these quotes where the prophet uses these words, checkbook, and I never found a one of them where that he put the right time thing up to us. You know why? When God gives me the check, I'm going to ask for it. If it ain't the right time, it's up to the teller to delay it. But he won't delay it because, oh my goodness, we're running short. I, I've been in several stores in the last few weeks, and you probably have as well as I have, and you see they got signs up. We're short on coins, so if you have exact signs, I thought, in the United States of America, we're running short on coins, so they don't have enough coins. I guarantee you one thing, you will never, let me make sure I emphasize that to you, you will never have a check that'll ever be bounced on the name of Jesus Christ. You will never have a check that will come back from the bank of heaven and say insufficient funds and we're going to charge you 50 bucks because you're overdrawn. You don't have to worry about that because Jesus' children don't never overdraw on their account. For the most of us, we are millionaires. We are billionaires in the goodness of God, but we live like paupers. Woo! My, put it in the deposit box at Calvary and give me a checkbook and said, write whatever you want to and I'll take care of it. Just send it up to me. Oh my, that's wonderful. There he is. How do you get saved? What is taken in a childlike form where every believer, no matter what church you belong to and your pastor, if he's the right man, he'll tell you that you can be saved, only saved through faith, but not through works, through faith. Now you believe that you're saved. Now the first thing that comes from the heart, you believe it. Then you walk up and confess and say, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. I believe this statement. There's not a physical thing in the world that you can prove that you're saved. So a person comes up, gives their heart to God. There is not a physical proof that they can give to me, to you, to their wife, to somebody else that they just got saved. Your eyes are the same color. You got the same shirt on that you had. Go outside and the old gang says, there ain't nothing to that. But you believe there's something to it. Don't you? What if you say, well, I'm going to see how it works. I'll never work out until you keep your testimony going. You believe you're saved. Oh, I love this. You act 
act like you're saved. You say you're saved and you associate with those that are saved. Now watch what is happening. Now your salvation is working its way out. The work that God did inside of your heart is working its way out. It may take weeks. It may take months. Who knows how long it'll be. But eventually every one of these aspects will work out of your life because you believe you got saved. You talking that you got saved. You're hanging around folks that got saved. Well, praise the Lord. If you get saved, I'll tell you one thing. That old crowd you used to run with, not only will they feel uncomfortable with you, you will feel uncomfortable with them. And if they don't, you ain't got saved yet. Well, praise the Lord. Oh my, notice this. And the same thing will take place by divine healing. You believe you're healed. You act like you're healed. Oh, glory to God. You act like he healed you. You say you're healed. And he's a high priest of your confession to make good anything that you confess that he's done before the Father. So, oh, I, oh God, I've got this in my body. God, this is going on. Lord, I claim your healing. Brother Darrell prayed for me on Wednesday night. Oh, I felt so good. And then on Thursday, I got worse. I was so sick. Oh, I don't know if I, I've got it or not. Oh, watch your confession. Watch your confession. Keep that promise of the word right before you. Oh, but it got worse on Thursday. That probably is a good sign that you got healed on Wednesday night. Because, well, it didn't feel it on Thursday morning. He is not the high priest of your feeling. He's not the high priest of your ups, your downs, your ins, your outs. He's the high priest of your profession. By his stripes, I'm healed. I'm sicker than a dog, but I'm healed anyway. I don't feel like even getting up out of the bed, but by his stripes, I'm healed. Why? ABC. Notice this again. God is under obligation to his word. To the believer that will accept his word. Any word is a seed. If you, A, accept it in your heart by faith, B, believe it, C, confess it, God will bring it to pass. Can you imagine a prophet of God saying, God will bring your words to pass? Why don't we see more of it? Fear. Amen. We're afraid. Preach. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Right. Amen, Brother Donnie. Preach. I'm behind you, Brother Donnie. Amen, buddy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Notice, he can't do nothing for you till you confess it. And he's the high priest of your confession. In that case, not even to your faith. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. He's not the high priest of your faith. He's the high priest, according to the Bible, of your confession. Not even your faith. Even couldn't be faith until you confess it. How you've got to accept eh, faith B, believe it, and C, confess it that it already is done. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now when you believed you were saved, sitting in your seat, whatever you was, accept it and begin to confess it and tell people you were saved, well, you kept on saying, I'm saved. The people said, there ain't no difference in you, but you believed there was. Is that right? And you kept with your confession, and after a while, it worked 
it worked righteousness. It worked Glory to God for this case you see. It'll work deliverance of habits. It'll work deliverance of healing of whatever you got going on. It will work it out if you keep your heart and your face and your mouth together on the same page and relearn your ABCs. Accept, believe, confess. Hallelujah. And you kept with your confession after a while it worked righteous. All your neighbors... And everybody knows you're saved now. But they didn't know it then. As a matter of fact, they probably thought, oh yeah, that's a jailhouse conversion. Now we've seen that before. He won't last three weeks. He won't last a week. My goodness, hell, boy, they look at it and say, praise God. You talking about a good, solid Christian. Yeah, you're the same one that said 10 years ago wouldn't last no time. But what happened? You kept saying what God done in your heart. You kept believing what God did in your heart. And you confessed it. And finally, that confession becomes so manifest. Now you got other people that didn't believe in you saying what you're saying about yourself years ago. Oh, I love it when God makes the devil testify of his greatness, don't you? If it will work that way in salvation, cannot it work that way in high blood pressure? Cannot it work that way in a growth or a tumor or a temper or whatever, a besetting sin? Cannot it work the same way? This is why Satan wants to alter our confession in God's word. Because you believed it, you confessed it. Why? What happened? What changed you? He's the high priest of your confession. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, making good what you're confessing. Not making good what he's saying. Not making good what the pastor wants you to be. Not making good what the prophet said about you. No, you'll not get it that way. You'll only get it when you and the word and the message become so one. It's what you eat. It's what you think. It's what you talk about. Not just in the bad times. Notice this, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making good what you're confessing. Now, it's the same thing is my healing. You accept him as your healer. Listen to this. You're talking about a, a difficult thing. Renounce your feelings. Oh, how in the world do I do that? Here I am, a mortal. I'm emotional, aren't you? Well, if you're a human, you are. And I feel up and down, and I cry, and I laugh, and, and I am supposed to renounce any of my feelings that are contrary to my confession. I don't believe that Abraham was a complete imbecile. I do not believe that Abraham went around saying, I'm not 100 years old. This is mind over matter. I'm 20. I'm 20. I'm going to say it. I'm 20. Sarah, say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. I don't believe Abraham said, I'm not old. Well, her milk veins ain't dried up. Her womb ain't dried up. No, I believe that he said, you know what? That's the way it is right now. But that's not my confession. My confession is God is going to bring a baby out of our bodies. I don't know how he's going to do it, but that's entirely his business. My business is not to do the supernatural. My business is to ABC. Amen. Oh, how in the world is he going to open the Red Sea? That ain't nothing to you. Don't worry about it. You just do your part. He'll take care of the rest of it. Notice this. Renounce your feelings. It's not by feelings. It's by faith. Say you're healed. Believe you're healed. 
oh my goodness, act like you're healed. So Brother Branham walking down the street in the city, praise God. Or he's prayed for a child that's crippled and can't walk. And the parents of that child is looking for shoes. Now people with intellectual reasoning, thinking through their mind that said, what if I can't return these shoes if the baby don't walk? I think I'll wait till he walks barefooted. And then in case, you know, I'm, I'm only here visiting and they don't have one of these Woolworth store where I'm at. That's what they had in them days. Uh, they don't have one of them where I'm at. I'd lose all that money. Faith is reckless. That's a quote. So he said, I want my baby a pair of shoes. Hallelujah. I ain't bringing about returning them because I won't be bringing them back. I won't be bringing them back. Why? Because my baby is going to walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice this. So you say you're healed. You believe you're healed. And then what do you do? Act. Brother Tommy. You don't mean to tell me you're wanting me to act. You all act like. You don't know what acting like means. Humans are the worst hypocrites that there is. Don't tell me you all don't know how to act. If you run into somebody and you don't want them to see you, you'll act like you didn't see them. I thought I'll send a spider web up there on that. Don't tell me you don't know how to act. Come on, saints. Oh, my. What if we could act like that? What's wrong? Praise God. We're saying, let's make plans on next year going to here and there and there. What do you say? They just told you you ain't got but three months to live. That's what they're saying. But I'm acting like I'm healed. I'm acting like a meal. That, 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 that's what the doctor said. But this is what the prophet of God told me to do. I'm going to act like I'm healed. I'm going to act like, let's make plans on, on having a picnic. Let's make, but, but you, you can't even get out of the bed. That's what my feelings said. That's what the doctor said. But I'm going to act like I'm healed. You're going to act like something. Why not act the right thing? Praise be to God. Associate was those who believe in healing. Boy, your associates has got a lot to do with this right here, don't yes, they? Associate with those who believe in healing and God, Lord have mercy, God will bring you right out to a perfect soundness of health will not fail. But notice what all you've got to do in this. You've got to act like you're healed. You've got to associate around people that believe in healing. You've got to accept it. You've got to believe it. You've got to confess it. Look how much you've got to do. Now, this is really what gets us because we don't like doing much. We want God to do it all. Well, praise the Lord. Notice again, he said, now, he cannot heal you or cannot save you. Or do one thing for you until first. ABC. You accept it 
and believe it and confess it. That's right. You got to confess it. Not you've got to feel it. You've got to confess it. He's not the high priest of your feelings. So when you don't feel healed, it's the best time to give the apostle and the high priest of your confession something to work on. I don't feel nothing. Don't feel no chills. I don't feel the pulsation of faith. I don't feel nothing. Well, he said, I really don't need that. What I need, talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you need. Tell me why do you want to be healed. Tell me what you want. What do you need? I want, I want to hear you say I want to hear you talk to me. Give me something to work on. See, Jesus is a high priest of our... Boy, you sure are reading a bunch of quotes. I am, and I got a bunch more to read. I'm going to fry that devil's hide. He's going to get so sick of hearing it tonight. He's going to go back down in hell and leave us alone. Jesus is a high priest of our confession. He can't do nothing. Friends, are we hearing this? He's saying it over and over again, year after year. You find this being said over and over and over again. He can do nothing. Nothing. Why? It's the way he had it planned. You and him are buddies. You need healing? I do, God. I mean, use a team. You do your part, I'll do mine. But God, how in the world can I work with you? Oh, don't worry. I'll never ask you to do my part. But I will expect you to do your own. But if we tend to be lazy, we want him to do both. And we sit back and drink a big old glass of southern sweet tea. Her hands all kicked back behind her head. <laughs> Wake me up, Jesus, when you get down. Wake me up when you're ready to heal me. <laughs> I'm going to say you're scroll through this ball game. Ah, 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 watch it, watch it. You get that excited over a stupid football game and come to church and act like a bump on a pickle? There's something wrong with your religion. I believe football is your religion or baseball is your religion. If Jesus don't get a hold of you and turn you inside out every now and then, you need to fall in love with him, brother. Sweet Jesus. (laughs) Notice this. He can't do nothing for you till first you accept it and confess it that it's already done. And He will make your body your nature. Come in subject to His Word. Do you understand now? You must act just like it's already done. So when the doctors told Brother Branham he was going to die, he said, if you eat another bite of solid food, you'll die. 
So he claimed God's promise and acted like he was healed. It didn't feel like he was healed when he was vomiting up. But actually a healthy person does vomit. That's your body's way of expelling things. So what did he do when he get it all cleaned up and the mess cleaned up? Force feed himself again. And kept saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. Why? He was acting like he was healed. You imagine he enjoyed that? We do it one time and we're ready to quit. Well, I tried it, I tried it. You give it a try one time and you're going to give it up. You ain't even worthy of heaven. You are not worthy to sit in this church. You are not fit to walk down streets of gold. If you will not give Jesus Christ a million times more effort than you give Satan, you're worthy to burn up in hell. Go on. Go on to hell. You deserve it. If you won't give Jesus Christ all that he's done for us and we wouldn't give him a million times more effort than we give sin and debauchery and evil, we're not worthy to take of the water of life. Oh, brother, if you're my, if you're in love with him, you count the worst day you've ever had as a child of God as a billion times higher than the best day you ever had as a sinner. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Notice this, he can't do nothing for us till we already say that he's done it. We have to confess it or profess it, that he's done it. Then he can go to work on it and make the intercessions. On what? He goes to work on what you say. Not on what he wants. Not on what he purchased even. On his own merit to purity. Have a few more minutes. Notice this. I now challenge the devil to a debate. Satan, you are aware that you are whipped. Praise God. That's a son of God that know where he's standing. You have no legal rights. Jesus Christ, my Lord, stripped you of every authority you had when he died at Calvary to take away sin and sickness. You're nothing but a bluff, and we're calling you a bluff. You know what? When our Lord come to the tree, he cursed the tree. The next day it was withering, and our Lord said to his disciples, have faith in God. For if you shall say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart. Believe what you've said and it's saying come to pass. You can have what you said. Satan, you know the scripture on that. And I just taught these people that God is in them. And if God is in them, glory to God, they speak to that disease and say, be away from me. And don't doubt in their heart, right then, that disease has to move. For Christ said so. It's not them that speaks. It's the Father that dwells in them that's speaking. 
They're in need, so come out of them in the name of Jesus Christ. I say as God's servant by a message from an angel who anointed that has proved to the people that Jesus is here and the message is right, so come out of them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I adjure you to leave every sick person and get into outer darkness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen what happens in this building in Waterloo, Iowa in 1958. Brother Branham pauses for five seconds listening to speaking back. Now if you go listen to this tape, you'll hear it. It's like a great roar that comes in this building. If you look and listen to these meetings in Waterloo, oh, it was a hard time. It was terrible. He just kept pulling and pulling and pulling every night. But watch this. He said, do you hear that? I'm sure you heard that. How many heard that great roar? Go through the building just then. That was it. Surely you won't doubt any longer. That was God speaking back. Can't you see? Then he pauses again. Rise. Do you believe you're healed? You believe that God answered prayer? Raise up your hands. Thank him for it. It's over. You're healed. Oh, glory be to God. Notice latter part of this quote he says when you're out from Babylon you're out from under unbelief you're out from under superstition you're out from under all these things and you're filled with God's own life your voice is his voice glory to God glory to God notice this this is super sense. This woman, when she left the platform, it was thus saith the Lord, go home and eat. Jesus Christ makes you well. She went home that night, a friend of hers living in the neighborhood, third or fourth behind her. He's talking about the discernment line now. She had a great big knot on her neck. Here she come, all thrilled about her neighbor. Was going to be healed of that ulcer that had bothered her so much. This is one of the hundreds of cases or thousands of them. This big knot sticking out on her neck. She came up and I said, no one would have to discern that, but you're happy about something. You've been thrilled because that woman sitting right over there is a neighbor of yours. I know some of you devils that want to challenge this message. Why don't you stand up here and do the same thing, you hypocrite? Oh my, she thought, how in the world could that man know that? It has to be something to reveal it to him. So when that was said, it said, notice, not talking about himself. It was said that something about your neck. Yes, do you believe it or leave? I believe it. She said, with all my heart. I said, thus saith the Lord, go home and you'll receive your healing. The natural man looked around and couldn't see no sign. The woman with the ulcer went home and tried to eat and like to died. Oh, the natural man, the natural sense, the feeling still declared the ulcer there. So after about a week or two had passed, she went through the neighborhood to all of her people in the church testifying the Lord has healed me. Now she did A, she accepted. She did B, she believed. 
Now, them two right there, a lot of times, aren't near as embarrassing and humiliating as C. You see, C sometimes can be so embarrassing because we're putting A plus B together and it produces C. So when you learn your ABCs, when you're learning how to spell as a child, those of you that know enough about the advanced algebra, you know that they also use A, B, and C in that. So let's learn how to walk, crawl, then we'll walk, then we'll run, then after a while we'll fly. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So she accepted, she believed, she goes to the neighborhood confessing, I'm healed. Notice this, are you eating now? No, not exactly everything I want. Now watch this. A lot of you miss it right here. Because you think to say that statement, you're talking negative. You don't understand confession, do you? Well, praise God. So they ask, are you eating everything? Well, well, no, not exactly. That's not her confession. She's speaking symptoms, yes. She's speaking where she's at, but that's not her confession either. Amen. Her confession is, I have already been healed. Yes. Glory to God. No, not exactly everything I want, but she said, I'm already healed. For by his stripes I'm healed. No matter what it was, she was healed anyhow. Glory to God. One morning the children had gone to school and she got real hungry. She was standing washing the dishes by the window. She came to the meeting, another meeting about a year later, and she was washing the dishes, and when she did, first thing she felt, a real funny feeling go over her. Now we know according to another message after this, the prophet said the angel of the Lord was just moving through that neighborhood that day. <laughs> Good time to not be a T.J. Maxx and the angel of the Lord is looking for you at the house, ain't it? <laughs> Praise be to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> She thought, what was that? Felt like I wanted to scream, she said. Oh, glory, we've been there, ain't we? And her husband had told her, said, honey, quit. Uh-oh. He didn't tell her to quit accepting. He didn't tell her to quit believing. But he told her to quit talking. Why? The talking produces embarrassment not only for the wife, but for the husband. I hope somebody shared me tonight. Honey, quit talking about that healing. Said because although he was a Christian, you're bringing a reproach upon the cause. How can you bring a reproach when you're testifying to his word, Brother Brenham said? You'll bring a reproach if you don't testify to it. So if you were healed, you were healed. She said, that man stood and looked me in the eye and told me my conditions and the things I had done, where I was, where I come from. She said, I hadn't been in that building 15 minutes when he come to the platform. How in the world could this man know? I never saw him in my life. And he, oh, hallelujah. He told me, thus saith the Lord, you're healed. She said, I'll believe it until I'm dead. There's real faith, brother, sister. And well, I'm giving God six months. I'm giving God to the end of July. Oh, no, real faith will say, I'll, I'll go to the grave believing him. I'll die. I'll breathe my 
last breath, say, my God is a mighty God. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. That's real faith. Glory to God. I'll believe it until I'm dead. She said, I'll believe it anyhow. So her and her sister below, a friend, had a covenant to God that they'd hold that faith. That morning she felt real funny. In a few minutes she got hungry. The children had left some oats and a plate, little dish. Now remember, she had this bleeding ulcer that would explode blood and she'd vomit blood and the blood would just spew out of her mouth. Had to give her in her, in her, in her arms and stuff. In a few minutes, she got hungry. The children left some oats and a plate and a little dish and said, oats always just burn her up. <laughs> you imagine? God's going to use the very thing that burn her up to prove she's healed. <laughs> My goodness, some of you all used to couldn't pass a honky-tonk. Your vehicle was on autopilot. Every time you'd go through a juke joint, your, your steering wheel would just go... Arr! Some of you couldn't pass up a cigarette. You couldn't pass up a drink. I don't care who it was that offered it to you. You look for an excuse to have one. Brother, you get tanked up now full of the Holy Ghost. You can pass every bar, every juke joint. If Satan's got liquor, liquor all the way from here to Indianapolis and back, you can drive all the way and be as thirsty as a hound dog in the middle of the desert and you wouldn't stop and take a drink of that at all. Why? Because the thirst for the thing is gone and left you. It's out of there. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Ghost do something for you and the oats that used to kill your stomach and God will say that's what I want you to prove you're healed by eat them oats what's this she reached down and took a couple of bites of those oats and oh my she said I'll have to pay for it see there again some of you would have never said that why you don't understand confession you do not understand confession. You think being a human and feeling these thoughts of fear and doubt, you, you feel like, oh God, that's not allowed, that's not allowed. Why did he become that then? So you imagine this comes out of her mouth, but not her heart. <laughs> There's the thing. This was not her confession. This was her fear talking. Oh, glory to God. I'll pay for it, I suppose. But one of these days, I'll be all right. Little did you know, today was that day. You see, a person can be right on, right on time, right in faith. And still, the miracle is only minutes away. And we still don't know it, Brother Wayne. And we can be saying things like this. But this was not altering her profession. Her husband couldn't change it. The church couldn't change it. Fear couldn't change it. Feeling couldn't change it. I'm going to be healed. But she noticed she was still hungry. So she just, glory to God, finished up the dish. She waited a few minutes. See what happened. See what happened. See what happened. 
Praise God. Nothing happened. Felt good. Still hungry. She fried a couple of eggs. Now, sister, I'd sure disagree with you on that. Woo! Lord have mercy. Fried a couple of eggs. Poured her a cup of coffee. Got some toast. Had her a real jubilee. Praise God. She eat all she could eat. She went ahead washing the dishes about a half hour later. She was hungry again. No ill effects. She put on her little bonnet. Lord of God. Down the street she went. Into this neighbor's house. When she got there, she thought there'd been a death. Maybe in the family. There wasn't a death in the family. There was a death in her body. The gorder had died. <laughs> they were screaming and shouting and walking around. They sure what message people was. <laughs> Must have been Pentecostal. They were screaming and shouting and walking around. The woman had slept late that morning, got up looking for the gross that was on her neck. <laughs> it had disappeared in the night. What was it? God at work. Hallelujah. A, B, C. Can I read one more? Up here at Cato Tabernacle, we had the meeting. That crippled boy came in there and was prayed for. Many he was there to see him. They brought him back in that emergency room, and Billy led me to him. They had him on the platform two or four nights in the building. He didn't get a prayer card, so they put him in the emergency room. I went in there and prayed for him and looked at him. He said, Mr. Branham, can you tell me some consolation? I said, yes, sir, son. Polio got you in this way. He said, that's right. I said, your name is such and such. You come from a certain place. That's right. He said, he said what about my healing? I said, by his stripes, you were healed. He went home testifying, giving God praise. He brought such a reproach. They claim in the neighborhood. Until one of Sunday, a group of ministers come in and sat down by him and said, You must stop doing that. Notice where Satan wants to stop you the most. See. They didn't tell him to stop accepting. They didn't tell him to stop believing. They told him, Quit talking about it. The devil wants us to quit talking about this message. I ain't quit talking, I'm talking more. He wants us to quit streaming on the internet. Get them off the internet. Get them off of YouTube. They ought to ban them. Uh-uh. We're going to keep on preaching this message till we're changed. Stop talking about that prophet. It drives me crazy. Well, good. I'm going to keep on talking till you go nuts. So it's going to get us out of here. You're bringing a reproach on the cause. And the young man sitting there said, Mister, if you were sitting where I am, and you were in the chair that I'm sitting in, you wouldn't try to rob me of the last hope that I've got in Christ. Said, by his stripes. <laughs> he no more 
Then said that sitting there, paralyzed, feet, hands, body, back. No more than said that, out of the chair he went. Glorifying God. Now what if they would have talked to him and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologize. Forgive me for bringing reproach. Don't doubt, Brother Gene, he'd have missed his healing. His natural sense is all. He sat there. The doctor said he'll be there forever as long as he lives. But the sixth sense said, by his traps, <laughs> it's casting away everything contrary to what God said. That's what the sixth sense is for. What do you need from him tonight? Oh, you said, Brother Donnie, I believe all that. But the problem is, you ain't Brother Branham. You just now figured that out. You're right. I'm not Brother Branham. But let me give you a simple something that the Lord Jesus dropped in my heart today. I'm not Brother Branham. And neither is Brother Branham. Hebrews 13, 8. The Bible does not say William Branham the same yesterday, today, and forever. But Jesus Christ. Right. I'm not William Branham. I'm not this man or that man or that man. But he is still Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's stand Old John Ryan, not R-Y-A-N, but R-H-Y-N, blind beggar in Fort Wayne. Was there that day he was prayed for in the meeting. That was the night the piano played the great physician. Now was near without anybody in it. By it, rather. He was blind, Catholic by faith. He stopped in the line. I looked at him. I said, your name is so-and-so, John Ryan. Yes, you're a beggar on the corner. You've been blind for years. Yes, that's right. You're Catholic by faith. That's right. I said, thus saith the Lord. You receive your healing. Thank you, sir. I said, thank the Lord. He said, but I can't see. And I said, that has nothing to do with it. Can't you imagine, friends, how, how strange and odd that Brother Bram's he, teaching on healing was to the majority of the people? You tell a man he's healed, and he said, but I can't see. He said, that has nothing to do with it. Well, I thought that's what he's being prayed for, but that has nothing to do with it. It shows how little we understood about divine healing. Sometimes I wonder how much people still understand, to be honest. I can't see that has nothing to do with it. You're healed. And he went along. They helped him off the platform. The natural man could see nothing. They couldn't see no results from that at all. Why, well, he was blind as he ever was. So two of his friends brought him back, put him in the prayer line again, run him through again. Howard let him pass through, Brother Ram's brother. When he come back again, he said, Mr., you told me I was healed. I said, you told me you believe me. He said, I do believe you. I have no reason not to believe you. But he said, you told me all these things in my life. And said, I, I don't know what to do. But said, there was a woman back there testifying that she had a gorder a few minutes ago and it's gone away. I said, then if you believe me, why are you questioning me? I'm telling you the word of God. And he said, what must I do, sir? 
knowing he was a Catholic and had to have something physical that he could hold on to, I said, just keep testifying. By his stripes, I'm healed. <laughs> the old man for the next two weeks or three stood on the corner and he sold papers. He would holler, extra, extra. Praise the Lord, I'm healed. Extra, extra, praise the Lord, I'm healed. Extra, extra, praise the Lord, I'm healed. When he come back to the meeting the next night, I couldn't hardly preach for him. He'd raise up and holler, everybody keep quiet. Praise the Lord for healing me. Praise the Lord for healing me. As a Catholic, he didn't know how to take hold of faith. But he knew if he kept on saying it, and kept on. The sixth sense would go to work. He was standing on the corner hollering, praise the Lord for healing me. Extra, praise the Lord for healing me. He'd walk down the street and somebody come by and say, how are you, John? Praise the Lord for healing me. They laughed at him, made fun of him. Another little newsboy led him over to the barber shop for a shave. About two or three weeks later from the meeting, the barber put him in the chair lathered his face, said, John, I understand some little smart aleck. Said, I understand you was down there to see the divine healer. Said, yes, I went down. Said, I understand that you got healed. Just to make fun of him. The old man said, yes, praise the Lord. He healed me. And his eyes come open. As I said, those of you that want to condemn him and call a false prophet, our church is open any time for you to come and do the same. His eyes come open. Out of that barber chair, he went with a towel around his neck. The barber tried to catch him with a razor in his hand. Down the street they went. Why? God's word had went to work. Not just based on A, not just based on B, not just based on A plus B, but based on A plus B plus C. You believe he's your healer? Your deliverer? I believe with you. Hallelujah. Got a bunch more good ones. I want to read all of them. <laughs> Can it be that simple, Brother Donnie? My friends, it is just that simple. I got a text today from one of my dearest friends, Brother Tim Pruitt, sharing with me about his wife, Sister Karen. Had the brain bleed a few weeks ago, as you know. The doctors had told him, you might as well get prepared for death. And if she does live, She'll be nothing but a vegetable. But he sent me a little text today and said, Praise God, Karen is sitting down in a little place here. They moved her into rehab. Going to let her go home Tuesday, Lord willing. Karen is sitting in a little place down here from where I'm sitting with her sister. And they're sitting there putting a 300-piece jigsaw puzzle together. Not bad for a woman who was supposed to be a vegetable that just a few days ago couldn't even turn on a cell phone. 
That's my father. That's our God. Hallelujah. You believe him? Oh, my. Whatever you need is tonight, friend. I'm sure many of you know. Our daughter, Erica. The doctors found a, a gross on her liver. And they're going to do more tests. And they think that this is not the origin of where it's come from, that it's from somewhere else. I appreciate all that doctors can do to help us. But my faith, my anchor, is not in medical science. Oh, sure, if God wants to minister to her through medical science, absolutely. But I've seen medical science fail so many times. I ain't never seen God fail once. Not once. Her whole life, she's been a miracle. They said she could never live. Said she'd never live normal. Never have children. Three of those never-haves are standing here tonight. They said when she got pregnant with her, her babies, she'd probably have to go on dialysis because her kidney function would go down so low. God said, watch me work. So instead of it going down, God sent it up. They told her after she births them babies, don't never get pregnant again. She got pregnant again with another set of twins. They said, your kidney function will go down this time. God said, don't you remember what I done last time? God sent her function up. I remember today, like it was yesterday, when they stuck that big needle in her body and they couldn't sedate her. And she was screaming and hollering. And I took off running down the hospital. I reminded him of that today. I've seen him do so much. And I believe this is no greater. I'm sure that you and your needs and your requests tonight, it may be just as traumatic. It would be a sin for us to disbelieve after what we've seen him do. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. I want you to hold your request, your need. We know there's several people in our church that have real, real desperate needs. If the Lord puts one of them people on your heart, be sure and hold it. Now, maybe you're doing pretty good right now, but we've got several people that really need a move of God. We're going to agree together. But the Lord's going to move for them. Yes. We've got one miracle after another that's standing here tonight that's been healed, Amen. delivered, set free. You see, people who are miracles have no problem believing in miracles. That's why I'm convinced that people this day don't believe in miracles because they've never become one themselves. But if you ever become a miracle by the new birth, miracles is just something that's what you are. Let's pray together, can we? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight, Lord. I know it's been simple. A, B, C. But Lord God, it'll back up the powers of hell force them plumb back down to the gates. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we look to your promise tonight, Father. 
We ask you that you'd be mindful of us, Lord. We have several in our church, Lord God, that are dealing with many difficult issues. Lord, we're just agreeing together as a body that you'll move for our brothers and sisters. Lord, when one of our brothers and sisters hurt, we hurt with them. God, when they have a bad diagnosis, we, we cry with them. But then when we get done crying, we wipe our tears and we believe with them. Because that's who we are. We are believers. We bring them to you tonight, Lord. Dear Jesus, I pray you'd be mindful, Lord God. My daughter, Erica. She didn't feel like coming to church tonight. I know her well enough to know she loves church. She'd love to be here tonight, but she just wasn't up to being here. But Father, in the name of Jesus. I posted it last night, Lord, on a minister's app, and it's went around the world today. I've got texts and emails and things from all over the world. So I know your saints are praying. Hell's in trouble. We believe, Father. We're not coming tonight as beggars. We're not coming, oh God, to beg. We're coming as children. Because healing is the children's bread. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we join our faith together on the promise of your word. Lord, you see this thing. You know what it is. You know where it comes from? I curse it. In the name of Jesus. Satan. You're a thief. You're a liar. And our Lord Jesus has defeated you. We call your bluff tonight. And say you are defeated. In the name of Jesus, may the life leave it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord God, for the rest of our brothers and sisters, Lord Jesus, and their needs, would you be mindful of them, Lord? Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Father, with all of our hearts. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. May we be like John Wright. May we be like the sister with the stomach trouble. If we're misunderstood, people think we're bringing reproach and whatever more. Hallelujah. May we be like the crippled boy that the preachers wanted to shut him up. Jesus just wanted to try him one last time to see when he stand under pressure, clergy. That must have really pleased you, Lord. Because even when pressure clergy didn't make him change, that was the final test. You healed him and shot him out of that chair like a bullet. Praise God. Must have been that barber. Must have really struck old John Ryan. That was the last test that was needed. Praise God. I imagine it was a funny looking sight. Him running down the street with lather on his face. Praise God, screaming to the top of his voice with his eyes wide open and the barber running behind him. Hallelujah. 
because Jesus had made manifest his word. Lord, I hope the people can see it tonight. What happened for John Ryan, for that crippled boy, for them sisters? You made good on their confession in heaven. Oh, glory to God. You made good on their confession in heaven. And you chose the appropriate time and the appropriate place. You can let John Ryan open his eyes be open at the house. And, oh, you can let him be open in some nice, quiet place. But you chose a barber shop. What a place to be healed. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We believe you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. May you anoint the faith of your people around the world, Lord God. Not only for healing of disease, but deliverance of habits and sins. Whatever, Lord God, that besets your people, I say to you, Satan, you are defeated. Take your hands off of God's property. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you tonight, living God. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We will praise you to the day we die, oh God. You are worthy of praise. Can we praise him and love him, saints? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Brother Donnie, I believe it, but I don't feel that nothing happened. Always keep this in mind. You speak to this mountain that it must be removed. But this is the way God will have it to happen sometimes. There might be a couple of grains of sand that fall on the opposite side of where your eyes can see. That mountain may be billions of tons. You never heard it. You never saw it. You never felt it. But on the other side of the mountain, some little tiny grains of sand fell off. Your faith made it move. Amen. Let your faith remain and the mountain will be moved out of your way unless you let the devil talk you out of it. What if God desires to move the back side of the mountain first and he wants you to be faithful while the front side of the mountain seems solid and stable? But keep believing. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I believe God's word. Like John Ryan, by his stripes I'm healed. Like the crippled boy, by his stripes I'm healed. Like the woman with a stomach trouble, by his stripes I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm delivered. Praise be to God. You love Him, saints, with all your heart. Well, Joel, would you come lead us in worship? Can we sing a little bit? Just worship the Lord before we go. Pray. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my only Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up. I'd be a fool You are my all in all Jesus Lamb of God Worthy Your name 
Taking my sin, my cross, my shame Rising again, I bless your name You are my all in all When I fall down, you pick me up When I am dry, you fill my cup You are my all in all Jesus, Lamb of God Worthy your name Yeah. 
that the Lord is good. He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. You know, those needs, the needs that have been brought up, Sister Erica's need, the A, B, and the C part, I don't think she needs to, she shouldn't have to do C by herself. Do you, don't you think that we'll, we'll take C on with her? We'll start confessing, and we'll start thinking, we'll start thanking the Lord starting tonight for what He's going to do in her life. I think somebody ought to testify. Let's sing that together. Somebody ought to testify. God, I'll live. Oh, God, I'll die. Somebody ought to testify. Somebody ought to testify.
thankful for the service tonight. I know you are too. Let's just go tonight. Let's sing that He's got it all in control. I just want to, I just want to put all my trust in Him. I'm so thankful that we can have 100% confidence. He's got it all in control. Let's just sing that tonight as, as you go. Remember the service in the morning. He's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. You put that reassurance way down in my soul. He's got it all. Got it all. 